we bring you our Friday profile. Let's start with some of the current news that's playing out um, regarding ETOLs. Earlier in the week, we heard Gauteng Premier, I think no, it was actually yesterday, yesterday, Gauteng Premier David Makura sought to allay our fears as motorists following reports that the Arto ad- a- a- Amendment Bill will see uh, drivers, motorists, losing their driver's license for unpaid ETOLs. So um, he has said, there's a lot of pressure on him, but he said that um, he is speeding up engagements with President Cyril Ramaphosa regarding ETOLs. Um, and uh, he announced this as well as part of a State of the Province uh, address earlier on, or last month, last month. And uh, these interactions will continue and they're looking for a new funding model. Um, but uh, these amendments and the implications for us as drivers would mean that when the demerit system uh, does come into effect, drivers risk losing one point each time they pass a gantry. Hey, and we can't have that. <laughs> we can't have that, to be honest. So today we've invited a man who's been leading an organization um, that uh, has done great work as far as ETOLs are concerned. It's an organization that uh, uses a multifaceted and multi-pronged approach because they seek sanctions against the perpetrators of corruption, crime and maladministration. They've challenged municipalities around the country about uh, sewage running down the road, um, the lights that uh, aren't working, electricity bills that uh, are owed by municipalities to ESCOM, the list of things that they have to attend to. It's this endless road infrastructure, water infrastructure, uh, all sorts of things uh, are, that are happening in our country um, uh, where there is uh, abuse of our taxes. They go for the attack and they represent the society as best as possible. So Wayne Duvenhage is here. And we're not talking necessarily ETOLs. We're talking about you, Wayne. How are you? I'm very well. (laughs) It's a pleasure to have you on. I was saying we've talked on the phone, never met before. Mm. So it's lovely to meet you in person. Lovely and nice to be here with you too. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So it's what, six years now? Yeah, six years. Six years ago, ago you exploded Mm -hmm. on the scene. (laughs) Yeah, unintentionally. Unintentionally, you were this um, executive working at Avis, doing your meetings, sculpting strategy, um, doing your thing. Yeah, and then the Eto scandal broke. Mm -hmm. So, take me to that moment, that exact moment when you realised that this was a fight you wanted to get into, a fight you wanted to be a part of. Yeah, okay. So it, it, it was actually driving down the road to, to work after the World Cup. The uh, visitors had gone home. Uh, the last part of the road upgrade had started, uh, the, the freeway upgrade. And, uh, and somebody had inquired, in fact, on Radio 702, I was listening to the radio going to work about these, these, uh, uh structures that were going up on the side of the highways and they were starting to take shape, uh, these gantries. And, uh, and, and so John Robbie got, uh, Nazir Ali in onto 702. So explain what's going on here. And he explained, uh, and very shortly, the story went something like this: You know, don't worry, we built you these lovely highways, but now you've got to pay for them. And uh, just just put this little tag on your windscreen, yeah. and uh, put money into our account, and it'll beep every time. And just make sure your account stays positive, and uh, you can travel on these freeways. And it was quite frustrating listening to this, thinking, mm. you know, we've got so many cars at Avis on the road. How's this going to impact on our business? Uh, why didn't we know about it? What is going on? And we started this whole engagement process with Sanrol, with the industries. Fine out how's this going to impact firstly on our industry mm. but secondly on society mm. and after a year of engaging Azania it was really a hard work engaging with Sanral who adapted, adopted this really arrogant attitude towards us to say look you either play our game or it's no highway for you um, we I said enough's enough, wrote a, an opinion piece on it and appeared in one of the newspapers and from then on 
it just exploded because for the first time somebody in business was taking a stand. Up until then it was the DA and Kasatu who were angry and the people who were blocking the freeways. But business now had put a voice to its, uh, its, 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 its frustration with a mm. system that was clearly set up to fail. Right. And, and I just got sucked in after that. Wow. <laughs> uh, and you've been at Avis, what, since you finished Varsity, since 1984, so? Yeah, I did. I took a five-year break uh, at the beginning of uh, the turn of the century in, in, in 2001 yeah. uh, for a few years. But but it'd been there, yeah, got, growing through the ranks in the operational part of the business. Uh, and, and it's a great organization because they really did empower their managers in the, as a youngster to be given the, the keys to an operation and... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, to be given license to make decisions to spend money, but you have to do so within budgets, learning financial acumen, uh, and, and, and ensuring that you're well trained to, to provide the best service uh, mm. and become customer centric. Uh, it was really great experience. I must say it's, an, it's a dynamic organization. I remember reading a piece when you resigned, yeah. when you decided to resign mm. from, from Avis. Mm. Um, and there were questions mm. at the time about the, the decision to move or whether, and whether it had to do with your involvement in Outer mm. in those early days. But you said you had planned on it anyway. You were planning on resigning. Yeah, uh, look, a, a year prior, almost a year prior to the, to, to, to this development, I'd really sat down with my boss. I'd been in my role nearly five years. We'd done a lot of good infrastructure development, customer centric programs and sustainability programs. So I'm a firm believer that you need to grow, uh, you need to move in order to grow. You cannot sit in one position for mm. too long. So we were already planning, uh, where I would be looking at moving into maybe sustainability at a higher level, maybe in the group. We're not sure. Um, but uh, nothing really came of those discussions and then this happened and uh, I felt it was time to take a break to 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 almost um, ensure that sanity would prevail on this if some effort was put into it within six months to a year and then get back into the corporate <laughs> world or get back into the entrepreneurial space. Oh, yes, the entrepreneurial side. You have a guest house. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, my wife and I, we bought a farm out in Michalisburg, you know, about 10 years or, or, or 10 years prior to that. And uh, we decided to develop it uh, into a small four-star guest house. We ran that. So took some time out, went and ran that, did some corporate work at the same time. Yeah. And then was asked to come back and, uh, and head up the operations at, at Avis in 2000. Yeah. Earlier, you said you thought it would take what six months or to a year. Yeah, you being know, involved there, was, in there was so much going on around Etolds at the time. Everything, the anger. I mean, the headlines. A, a newspaper just had to put Etolds in the headline, and they sold record <laughs> sales uh, every <laughs> week. Uh, something about Etolds throughout 2011 and 2012 dominated the headlines. And so we thought that uh, government would come to its senses, that mm. they would pull the plug because. Everything pointed to a non-compliance was going to be high and the scheme would fail as a result of that. But sadly for them, they forged ahead. Uh, they listened too much to the wrong advice. Uh, it's been a big lesson for government. And here we sit four and a half years into the schemes after schemes launch and it has failed. It's completely failed because less than one in four pay. And yes. As yes. a user paid scheme, you cannot have that. At 25%, no, yeah. you can't have that. Were you surprised with the, the results? Because yes, it didn't come immediately, but even after that early court case where the court interdicted mm. the, the scheme, mm. we saw incredible consequences to it. Mm. Uh, they, after they interdict the CEO, Nazir Ali, uh, resigning and mm. so on, even though 
know, the story continued to unfold yeah. nonetheless. But were you surprised with those results that you were able to bring about this kind of change? We were very surprised. We, we, we saw a lot of trepidation. We saw a lot of angst and fear uh, amongst the people because this is middle class society. These are people who drive cars. They don't cross swords with government. They comply to the rules of the road. But I think what was happening is only at the time is that in Kandla was a headline story. Yes. People were getting angry with so many other things. And suddenly here was an in- opportunity for them to drive under these gantries and literally say, well, come and fetch the money and uh, I'm going to make it tough for you to do so. Mm. And and so we saw the development of a new style of civil disobedience. And that's what it was. It was breaking the law. And that hadn't happened to the extent that it had in our new South Africa. Mm. Uh, and and uh, so we were surprised. We thought that Sanral would be able to achieve about 60 to 70 percent compliance. They never got over 40 percent compliance after the first six months. And thereafter, sure. it declined. Wow. Uh, And I think that's great kudos to you. Uh, Remember the fundraising campaign that appealed to ordinary South Africans to contribute to any size amount to the cause and people came to the party. So building a sustainable organization uh, requires funding. It does. What have you learned in this period? Well, we learned some fundamental things. And let me tell you, first of all, Azania, this is about teamwork. It's not about me. It's about really good people. Initially, three good, strong people working behind the scenes uh, and now 40 good people, amazing uh, uh, social activists, but professionals in there, you know, lawyers and so forth. Wait, in the how long now. was it just three people? I think so it was three people for the first for the first two and a half years. And there was an advisory committee. We met quarterly when we did our board meetings and that of another six or so. But it was three people that were on the board that did the work with and not getting a cent in remuneration, by the way, for that for three years. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't sustainable in that format. That's where you heard our backs were against the wall. Three million rand in debt uh, to to the to the lawyers. A case that should have been a million to two million became eight million rand overnight. Mm. Um, and and we didn't get the funding model right initially. It was really really tough. And we that's when we went to appeal to the public because we had to go to the appeal court. And the lawyer said, "Well, that's going to be another million rand. You owe us three million Ooh. rand. You got to raise a million rand within a, within a week." And we did that. And we did that and appealed to the public through through the media. And the public came to the party. We raised three million rand. Now that settled a lot of debt, but it didn't didn't get us into the space where we needed to be mm-hmm. uh, when we launched the new ARTA about uh, two and a half years so ago. So how's that model changed and improved to, to ensure the sustainability? Well, it, it, I met with some really good guys who, who helped us un, uh, you know, take off the blinkers around fundraising. The one thing you need to do when you're fundraising for civil society, fundamentally, do not allow people to give you once-off donations because you cannot run an organization uh, on once-off donations. If you're going to run an organization like this, you need to employ good people and you need to pay market-related salaries. You mm. can't pay salaries once-off. Then you've got to pay rent and everything else. So make it very difficult for people to give you a once-off donation. You need to make sure that when they sign up and they want to support you, rather than giving us a 1,000 rand a year, give us a 100 rand a month because that and lots of people doing that, we call it crowdfunding, mm. uh, uh, lots of people doing that just changes the dynamic completely. And when you get tens of thousands of people doing that you can grow your team so that's why we've been able to grow from three to 40 people that's why we've been able to go from one case which is the etol case to 62 current projects in in place right wow. now and uh and that's how we've been able to get the best people and the best talent behind this organization so and i tell you the the, the 
public that fund us and support us mm. are so excited with what they see us doing. I mean, we get messages that say, this is my outer. We get people uh, uh, messaging us saying, how do I increase my donation, my monthly sure. donation? Most so unheard of. It's Jeez. been incredible. <laughs> tell, us, tell everybody else how you're doing that. Uh, wow, that's incredible. Uh, kind of doing this kind of fight uh, can be demoralizing. I yeah. think. Uh, the long haul nature of it, mm. um, the fact that it's almost like a David and Goliath fight yeah, yeah. Um, can be demoralizing to anybody involved. So how do you stay the course? Well, it's like any any job. Initially, um, I didn't see this as a as a job. I saw this as something I had that had to be done. And actually, I went and met with Mark Hayward. I went and met with um, other organizations to try and hand this ball over and said, look, you know, I started this, but I don't really see me being involved in this for the long term. Went mm. to see uh, Hugh Glenister, who took on the Scorpions and and, uh, and and learned very quickly. I remember Mark Hayward saying to me, Wayne, you started the fight. You've got to finish the fight and I said well you know these guys don't want to finish and they were wearing us down this attrition through lawfare strategy of government very effective in taking on and killing uh, civil activism like like we were doing so fortunately we found the solution and we're now able to we have a war chest of and you have to the one fundamental difference is is when you build the war chest of litigation you can play the game their own game and, and take them on and that's when you hurt them and cause the pain by taking them on individually to court so so getting back to that question so I had to make the decision that that actually I have to stick with this for the long run, uh, get good people to support it uh, and to support me in the, and, and build a, a, a really impactful team um, and change my mindset. This is not a temporary fight. This is a permanent issue. And, and it became a bigger issue, which is now it's a permanent organization. It's mm. going to be around for, 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 a, for a very long time, especially now that we're going into the local government space. And that's exciting because we're going we're gonna to grow rapidly now. Yes, even Corruption Watch, uh, we had a conversation with them about uh, the fact that a lot of corruption happens at municipal yeah. level so we need those safeguards there as well and that kind of vigilance happening at that level but just strike me as someone who loves a good challenge always have hey? mm-hmm. always have from a youngster um Many arguments late into the evenings with my family around the issues on apartheid uh, as a child at school, getting frustrated with the things that we saw wrong at university as well. Even at Avis, picked a lot of fights with my bosses around things that weren't right, which is one, one of the reasons why I left initially was the transformation into the IT, the technology, use of technology and business wasn't happening fast enough mm. uh, in, in the car rental game. You have an old God who like can't change fast enough. It was time for me to move on. And so, so yes, always challenge things that didn't make sense, that were rational, that uh, that were really just a waste of people's time and money. Um, and uh, I suppose that's been something in the background that I haven't noticed it. But uh, when you think about it, it has come to the fore. It's been many a, occasions. That's right. Yes, yeah. Alec Hogg uh, described you as being anti-establishment because you grew up together in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, he was a year ahead of me, and uh, certainly was anti-establishment. I, I remember <laughs> the headmaster. Having a go at me too often, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. There is uh, Maurice saying, please ask Mr. Duvenage what 
do I do with simple summons that I received from Sanrel this week that comes from Maurice? I was hoping we'd steer clear of those kind mm. of issues, the news making issues, but a quick response. Lots, lots of people get those resp- uh, summonses. Uh, first of all, don't ignore a summons, um, act on it, respond to it, um, uh, because it is real. Uh, if you want Arta to handle all of that for you, uh, just get hold of us at arta.co.za. We've got a team that will manage that whole process on behalf of uh, every citizen that gets summoned. Right. Now, this being involved in civil society Mm. also means you have almost set a bar. You're not accepting of mediocrity, not Mm. accepting of some of the issues that we are seeing playing out in the cases that Mm -hmm. you've taken on. Uh, Being critical in the way that you have also means that you have to raise the bar in your own life. Yeah. How is that expectation? Um, How have you... uh, how have you just reflected on that expectation of this new chapter in your life and its implications yeah, on your look, life? You know, even even as an executive in a company, you've got to be very careful what you say, how you do things and what you do. So nothing really changes from that point of view. But what does change in civil society when, you, when you're taking money from the public to do good, you have to do it well and you have to be good yourself. So in, inside out, I mean, as we were growing at the pace we were growing, uh, we had to, it was like trying to build this car, this engine, while this, 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 you're running down the highway, going from three to 40 people, you go beyond just having uh, uh, letters of appointment, you start having to put in place all the structures, the boards. So I was chairman and CEO for a long time. I had to separate that. Yes. Uh, so we have to, uh, we've now got a non-executive chairman. We've got two non-executive uh, board members who've joined us this month. So all the uh, uh, governance matters, we've decided now to go for King Four full King 4 or as close to it as we can. Mm-hmm. A year ago we were toying with whether we do need to do that or not need to do that. We have a lot of debates in the board and uh, and with our uh, with our staff on that. Um, so uh, you know all the policies, all the risk uh, management, the, the the strategic reviews that we have to have. It's the stuff mm-hmm. we've done in the corporate world. Bringing that into civil society uh, at the pace that we've been growing has been an incredible challenge, but it's been an exciting one. And I was listening the other day to the chap uh, heads up uh, Blue Label mm-hmm. on on the show uh, with Bruce Whitfield saying governance is the one thing that excited him as Blue Label grew rapidly, uh, and the same thing is happening here. But it's a journey. You never get it right, but you've got to continuously strive to improve that all Mm. the time. And you get things wrong from time to time. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I think we've come a long way and we're really excited and we've got to be mindful of that all the time. So who've been your mentors over the years and what what have you learned from being mentored by them? I think... People have been silent mentors to me. One is Glenn Van Heerden, who was the founder of Avis. Um, and what what struck me about him was that he empowered people very quickly and very early on, uh, trusted and, 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 and allowed you to get on with things and allowed you to challenge the status quo. And he allowed, uh, he allowed us to, allowed me to, 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 to go outside the box and think outside the box, which is what all of this is really about. Uh, and, and then, if you are able to challenge leadership mm-hmm. in a constructive manner, your organization grows. He liked that. And every now and then within the organization, it got too big for him to manage also from a small organization to a big one. He would put people in that didn't, didn't align with that philosophy. And, uh, and, and when that happened, he would remove those individuals because they got in the way of the biggest scheme of growth in that organization, which is why today Avis uh, has the biggest market share in South Africa than, than any other operation around the world. Yeah, and, it's and a great highest, contributor yeah. to Barlow World's uh, bottom line along yeah. with, of yeah. course, all the, the other business units. Mm. Wow.
Sure. And a lot, not a lot of people are accepting of that kind of challenge. No. So it's, it's great in bu- to build a culture where you, those that work with you know that mm. things aren't cast in stone to, to a degree where it's detrimental to the organization. Yeah. Innovation is all about change yeah. and change comes from people uh, that's, that challenge the status quo. It's as simple as that. And when you allow more challenge and you listen more and you, and, and you experiment, you need experiment. You're going to make mistakes as well. Mm. Uh, you grow rapidly. What has been the view of your family? Because I imagine chief executive of Avis, mm-hmm. um, yes, maybe there are certain stresses. The job might move you around to different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Uh, there are pressures on you. Mm. But this is a different kind of pressure. It's playing out in the public and it's playing out in relation to a force as powerful as government. Mm. So how have they dealt with this transition? Yeah, I've got an v- extremely supportive wife, Helen, and three kids, and, and they're brilliant. My, so, so look, and, and we're a private family as well. So, uh, so it, it has its stresses from that point of view, but, but, but the supportive nature of, 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 of my family allows me to do this, allows me to get out there, and, and, and I don't, or try not to bring the work home, although I do a lot of work at home at night when people are sleeping or get up early. But um, try to distance myself from, and it's difficult because you're listening to the things and watching TV uh, to the things that you're fighting all the time, and uh, and so it's hard to even distance yourself from 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 the matters that are at the office place and in, in the mm. home place. But but uh, they, they 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 they're happy with it and they they supportive, and and that I cannot uh, ask for more. Yes, yeah. um, I came across a quote that you uh, made. You said, "I'm a firm believer that one should not overstay one's welcome." Mm. Uh, that it's good to have change in your life. It gives you an opportunity to reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. What else are you still curious about that you'd like to reinvent yourself sort of into? Because this chapter's not done yet. It doesn't seem like you, yeah. you are, you are in mid stride, mm-hmm. you know, and still in stride marching forward with outer. But what else do you still want to do? Gosh, you know, there's so much. Um, uh, or are you open? Because this yeah. is also a surprise in its own way. Yeah, it, it, this was a surprise. You know, as I said uh, in, in the book that I wrote on the Etel saga a couple of years ago, uh, the heading was the reluctant activist, you know, from CEO to activist. But it, but it wasn't. Uh, but it, but it wasn't uh, a, a, a conscious decision, and it has become one now. But in the back of my mind, I'm an I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm constantly scheming. There are opportunities in life that you need to seize. Once this. And it is at that stage where it is sustainable. It's got a great team of people. Jan's mind starts to think, what are the next opportunities? The one thing that is keeping us very busy now is the launch of the outer local strategy. Because as you said earlier, mm. um, the, 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 the corruption and the lack of good governance at local government level makes makes the top end of, of, of government uh, uh, seem like a, a, a play school. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the nonsense that's happening in every single municipality. Uh, and, and, and our lives now are going to go and touch the people in those local communities. And if we get that right, and Arta has 60 to 100 branches over the next two years, uh, driving governance and good governance in municipalities, driving ethical conduct, moral behavior, and then moving into job growth into those communities, I see, uh, and together our 
team, we see an incredible journey for this in organization to become a force to be reckoned with when government needs to engage with society and can do so meaningfully through a body like ARTA. That's the dream, and we're on that journey. We launch our first branch uh, next week in, in, in the Governor Mbeki municipality. We've got 60 other municipalities queuing up, waiting for us to be there. And all we're doing is we're taking our national strategy of holding national government to account for maladministration corruption, and we're applying the same process and modus operandi at the local government level. Thanks. And we're not going to do their work. We're not going to throw stones at government. We're going to be constructive, engaging, but we've got to really help them fix the problems because they are messing up, and it's sad. Wayne, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Lovely. Nice to be with you. Thanks, Thanks Susanna. That's Wayne Duvenhage, the CEO of Outer, our Friday profile.